Lord, you're beautiful. Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. Your face is all I see. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Your grace abounds to me. One more time, Lord, you're beautiful. Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Your grace abounds. Your grace abounds to me. Oh, say your grace abounds. His grace abounds to you. His grace abounds. His grace abounds to you. Say your grace abounds. His grace abounds. His grace is soft and shy. Your grace. Your grace abounds to me. One more time, your grace abounds. Your grace abounds to me. Your grace abounds to me. Jude one. Jude one. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, did not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, I've run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit and I've perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these, 
men also saying, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment of all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, while they have committed, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own laws, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there will be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, having not the spirit. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garment defiled by flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To our God, to, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. This is the book of Jude and we have read everything. And I want you to notice, before I go into the middle verses, I want you to keep in mind the first few verses, verse 1 and 2, and then this last few verses. You know. And the emphasis that I want you to note there is that it is the Lord that is able to keep those he has saved from falling. We don't keep ourselves by our efforts. Let's go back to that verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2. Jude, the born servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to those who are what? Called. Who are? Did they sanctify themselves? Are they, are they sanctified by their own efforts? Is that how they are sanctified? Who sanctified them? Who called them? How are they preserved? They are preserved in Jesus Christ. So when I begin to talk about contending for the faith, I'm not saying it from the point of view that it is your entire prerogative. It depends on your power to preserve yourself in truth. No, you are not the one that called yourself. You are not the one that saved yourself. You are not the one that is sanctifying yourself. Your good deeds are not, sancti they are not sanctifying you. You can't clean yourself. You can't call yourself. You can't preserve yourself. That is the Lord that does that. It is God that does that. You are preserved in Jesus. You are kept by the power of God through faith. That's what the Bible says, right? And then Jude now prayed for them. He said, mercy, peace, and love be what? Be multiplied. Because in the absence of God's mercy, in the absence of God's peace, in the absence of the assurance of the love of God, you can't contend for nothing. You cannot contend for anything. So, I will speak to you a lot about contending for the faith, but I want you to have a background that you didn't call yourself. You can't sanctify yourself. You can't present yourself blameless before God. You can't preserve yourself. What does that is the multiplication of the mercy and the grace and the love of God in your heart. So, you don't put the cart before the horse, all right? In the last few verses, it said to him who is able to do what? Keep you from falling. You can't keep yourself from falling. It's, it's the work of grace. It's grace that does the work of keeping you from falling. That is why it is very dangerous to look at someone who is falling and become judgmental and become critical. And start making mockery of that person. And start picking fault. Oh, if I was the one, I wouldn't have done that. No, in that moment, you have started being the one. Because you have left grace and you have stepped into works. And works can't keep you from falling. Right? So I need, I need us to understand 
that basically. And, and this is Jude. This is, these are not my words. This is Jude. Jude that is saying that content for the faith, first of all, told you that it is by, it is by the grace of God that you are preserved. It's God that is sanctifying you and it is God that can keep you from falling. Nothing of yourself can do that. Then on top of that, now says content for the faith. And you want to ask Jude, sir, what, which one do we pick? Which one do we pick? It is like, it is, this is the way it is, right? You are not contending for the faith, trying to complete your salvation. That's not the idea. The idea of contending for the faith is not the idea of trying to complete your salvation. Like Jesus, the works of, the work of grace that Jesus did on the cross, his death, his burial and resurrection is not, is not enough to save you. No, it's not like it's not enough to save you. You are contending for the faith based on the love response you have to the one who has loved you first. As a matter of fact, if you don't, if, you are, if the love of Jesus has not driven you mad, you can't contend for anything other than your stomach. When you find people who are fighting for the faith, they are fighting out of passion. Have you watched the movie Passion of the Christ? You know, my, 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 my daughter and I, we watched, it was Pastor Zara that started this problem. He came to my house. He saw my children watching Superbook. He was like, ah, have you heard about Torchlighters? I said, no, I haven't heard about that. He said, oh, it's a very nice series. Let them watch Torchlighters. She me, I should have watched it first. I believe Pastor Zara. So that's how I put Torchlighters. And I called my kids. We watched only one episode of Torchlighters. My daughter just went inside. She said, oh, mommy, that's enough. I'm going to have my bath. I knew that all was not well. And, you know, a few moments later, I was still in the living room. She was supposed to be in bed. And she came and said, mommy, I cannot sleep. I said, what is the matter? She said, I'm just thinking of that Mataya that... And she was crying. I'm like, Cherry, Cherry didn't go to Pastor Upsai. You see what Pastor Upsai has cost? So, but the girl alone was not in that dilemma. So I encouraged her. I told her what I could. In fact, I had to tell her that she go and read any Blighton so that she can sleep. You, know, you, have to re- you have to purge the sorrow from your heart. But what happened in that particular episode of Torchlighters that we watched, and I'm not going to show her another one, <laughs> at least not now, is that there was this lady, and I was hearing about her for the first time. I didn't know too. I didn't know, you know. Um, her name is Perpetua. She lived 200 years after, after Jesus. She was born a noble woman, and it was at the time in her province. She lived in Carthage. Carthage is, the, is in modern-day Tunis, in Tunisia, the capital of Tunisia, Africa. But then it was called Carthage, and um, the Roman Empire was at the time when the persecution from the Roman Empire of Christians were, were at an all-time high. So the thing reached Carthage, and they were rounding up Christians. And they rounded up Perpetua that had a three-month-old baby, you know, and some other Christians, many of them were slaves, but Perpetua was noble-born, very high-class, educated, right? So they rounded them off and took them to prison. And, you know, the, the, the movie was about a trial. Our father came to prison a lot of times, begged her, cried that you have to renounce, you know, Christianity, you have to renounce the Lord. You have, to, you have to do this. And she was nursing a child. First of all, the child was taken away from her, but the father being rich and all that was able to bribe the prison guard, so they moved her to a better part of prison and they would allow her to nurse a child and all that. But the issue, but, you know, I think the main theme of her, because she wrote, so this story was preserved down the ages because she was educated, she was a noble woman, so she kept a diary in prison. That's how we know that all of these things happened. And her father would come and beg her and all that. And she would, and then one day the father came and said, please, for the sake of your child, don't you pity your mother? Don't you pity everybody? And then, you know, she pointed to a verse in that prison and said, daddy, what is that? Or father, what is that? And then the man said, that's a verse. said, that's, that's, can you call it any other thing than what it is? The man said, no, he said, I'm a Christian. I can't be any other thing than what I am. And the man physically attacked her just out of rage, you know? And, Finally, they took them to public trial. But this girl will sleep and she'll have visions of the Lord in prison. In fact, there was a night where she had a vision and she saw a ladder. And that ladder, there were all kinds of like um, daggers, like weapons tied to that ladder. And then there was a big snake. Of course, the, the dragon. 
you know, red and all that at the bottom of that, um, at the bottom of the flight. And she said she knew that if she climbed that staircase without keeping her eyes on top, from the snake to all those um, things will tear her because it was a very dangerous ladder. She said, you know, but in that dream, she stepped on the head of the, the serpent was trying to dissuade her from climbing the ladder, but she stepped on the head of the serpent, climbed that ladder, and then she got to heaven. She saw the Lord, you know, dressed as a shepherd. She saw angels and all that. When she woke up in the morning, she was very, very happy. And she told the fellow prisoners that their, their, their sojourn in prison was going to end in the passion. The passion means dying like the Lord, you know, like suffering and death that was going to end in the passion. And, all, and they were all happy. I mean, I could not understand the happiness. They were joyful. Every opportunity to suffer anything close to what the Lord suffered. They went to public trial. The, the father of the girl was crying, shouting, you know, like on the staircase as the girl was going up. You have to denounce Christ. You have to denounce Christ. In fact, the proconsul had to tell um, soldiers to beat the man and all that. Of course, the girl went there and said, I, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian and all that. Okay, condemned to your death. You know what this death is? It's not, it's not, it's not that you just say, I, I confident they, they will behead you. Have you heard of the Roman amphitheater? Where they fight gladiators and bears and lions and leopards. It was that kind of death. And there was a pregnant girl among them. Her name was Felicitas. That one, they prayed for her because it was, it was against the law in those days to condemn a pregnant woman to die. They said they don't want to shed innocent blood. So they wait for her to give birth. But she didn't want to die alone. She wanted to die with the rest of them. She didn't want to die with common criminals later. So they, she was eight, month pre, eight months pregnant. They prayed. She delivered that baby two days before they were executed. Someone, they gave the baby to a, a Christian sister and all that. And you need to see these people. As in, according to, because, you know, me, <laughs> I'm a, I didn't sleep that night. Too. I read everything I could on Perpetua. She kept a diary. She passed on that diary to the prisoner, the prisoner, the guard. It was the guard of the prison that wrote, wrote the rest of the diary. And I, you know, I went and looked for the original version and the modern day English. <laughs> All kinds of, it was like Bible to me. It was very intriguing, you know. And they went to their death happy. In fact, that was what finally broke the prison guard because this cannot be normal. They went to their death rejoicing. They went to their death happy. You know how those, uh, the men, they released bears and leopards and all that normal things. You know how those girls were killed? The, the one that just gave birth and this 22-year-old perpetua, they stripped them naked and released a mad bull. Goring them. You are not watching it, but you see what my daughter went through. Now you see what Pastor Psyia put my daughter through. And you know, Perpetua did not die. She didn't die even after that. They had to bring a swordsman, and the gladiator's hands was shaking so badly. She had to help him guide his hand. And that night, I was just thinking. Is this the faith that some people gave their blood for and we are doing nonsense? Faith that people died for. That same night, I, I read about Blood Mary. Between, 19, between 1555 and 1558, she killed about 300 men of God in England. Burnt them at stake. They call her Blood Mary. That's our name in history, Blood Mary, within only about three years. And I'm asking myself, and now they say, come to church. You say, my fingertip is paining me. He says, Serve God. You say, yesterday I did the interview, they didn't promote me. Shag bad Dumbai, are we okay? Are we okay? And I'm asking myself, the faith that people gave their lives, shed blood for. Is, it, is, is this how I'm going to do it? Are we going to the same heaven? I'm asking myself, Perpetua will not be ashamed of me by the day she sees me. We are. Of course, no, no leopards will go me. We are not living in the same age. But I have my own wild beasts to fight. 
Am I fighting them or am I romancing them? Can they say, ah, okay, you are my friend or companion? I was just looking at them in the cloud of witnesses. Am I bringing them joy or am I bringing them sorrow? The way I'm living my life. That's the issue of contending for the faith. It's not going to heaven that it is at stake anymore. It's not salvation that is at stake anymore. You will get to heaven. Nobody's contending. You have believed in Jesus, you will go to heaven. But the faith that we are talking about, and this morning, this faith, I'm not talking about faith for something, you know? There's when you talk about faith in the context of I'm believing God for a thing. That's a different. This faith I'm talking about is the set of beliefs, the truth, the body of truth that we have received in Christ Jesus that marks our identity separate from the world and makes us who we are. And our relationship with God is first of all a relationship. is not first of all a set of beliefs. I'm not saying that the faith is just a set of doctrines. That's not what I'm saying. A set of doctrines, a set of rules can't save anybody. What saves is trust in God that gives birth to a living, thriving relationship with him. But part of that relationship is also that body of that said because that's that's the reason why these people were born perpetua was thrown to leopards because she said jesus is the lord it's a statement of faith it is our it's our belief it is the truth it cannot change and there are things that are confronting us in our day that are shift that is shifting the faith from our hearts, even though mentally we are said, it's not like they will tell you that, do you believe in Jesus? I say, no, I don't believe in Jesus. Now, I now believe in Shango. You are not going to do that. It's not, you, are, you are never going to say that. But what are your actions saying? What are your priorities saying? What is your devotion saying? The way you make decisions, what is it saying? And can I tell you something? It is true that our relationship with God is first of all a relationship, but you see that body of truth, that, 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 that thing that we are called to defend, it establishes the heart. It, it, it is not a thing of the mind. Alright? It's not, it's not a thing of mental assent. It, is, it goes into the heart and establishes the heart. And if you tamper with it, it will break that relationship. Let's read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 to 10. Let me show you what I'm talking about there. Hebrews chapter, yeah. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with what? Various and for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied by them. Let's go back to that nine again. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied by them. So you can see the writer of Hebrews saying here that what establishes the heart, for your heart to be established, if you, have, if you are given to various strange doctrines, the heart can't be established. I don't know what the dispute was about food here. We, we didn't, they didn't detail it for us, but there was something going on about food here. At least we know a bit of it from First Corinthians, the Corinthian church, too, they had this food problem, right? So, the Hebrew church, maybe they had another kind of food problem. And this writer is saying, look, stop this. The various strange doctrines can't, in other words, strange teachings, things that attack the body of truth, it can cause instability to the heart. The heart is established by grace. Remember what it says in the book of John chapter 1, I think verse 14, about we beholding his glory. As of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? And what? You can't separate grace from truth. If it is truth, it comes with grace. It's not just a set of rules. 
the truth of Jesus, the truth of God's word comes with grace that establishes the heart. So when we, when you, you know, that is why it is very important. And I'm going to um, still speak to that because that's what he said here. He said, consider certain men and follow them. Right? When you consider a man and consider his faith conversation, when you look at his conduct in the faith and the outcome of it, then you can follow that man. Did he say, follow his anointing? Is that what he said? Because I'm seeing all kinds of things these days. People are trying to copy certain people's style. If they bab punk, you bab punk. If they jericho, you jericho. If they wear white suit, you wear white suit. I think it was light on somebody I was joking with. I was joking with somebody and I said, I'm seeing a trend in, you know, like the people who are like the forefront women of God. I said, if they, if they, if they bring me to their company and say that, ah, this one too is trying, they will reject me. You see how I came this morning. They don't come like that. When I see them on YouTube, <laughs> there's a cape style now that is going on. This thing will go flow here, it will flow here, it will cape. You don't even see it going quite, ah, no, there's anointing here. Me, I'll just wear canvas, slippers. I, I said, they, they can't even accept it. Ah, what is this? It didn't say follow their style. And you know, there are people who think that authority comes with cape. It's not so. The authority of that man of God that you admire so greatly is not in white suit. That's where you go and buy white suit too. That is not where the authority is. It's not in trying to talk like him, trying to look like him. He didn't say follow their style, follow their anointing, follow their suit. That's not what he said. He said check their faith conversation. Look at what it is producing and then follow that. That's what he said. Because it is possible that the heart, you see this heart, you have to guard it diligently, jealously. In fact, that's where contending for the faith starts. You see, when Jude was talking, he talked about all kinds of men that have come. You know, hyper grace message is in Judah, you know, that is not new. You see, it's great. Jude said, he said, some people have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. They've turned it to lewdness. They've turned it to lying sense. We are saved by grace. So therefore, we can behave anyhow we like. And God doesn't have a choice about us. He said, ah, no, don't. Even angels. Even angels that didn't keep their first estate. And that's why some people, they never read certain portions of scripture in their own fellowship. Because it's causing conflict with the doctrine. It's, not, it's causing conflict with doctrine. And if you challenge them too much, they say, Brother James, when he wrote some things, he was still a low Christian that time. He was, wasn't mature. I've seen, I've heard, I've legit heard somebody say that between um, um, Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8, that Paul was immature in Romans chapter 7. When he wrote Romans chapter 7, he was, a, he was an immature Christian. But when he got to Romans chapter 8, he, he had become mature at that time. You know why? Because in Romans chapter 7, Paul was saying, Oh, wretched so that I am, who will deliver me? And the thing did not fit the hypergrace message. It doesn't fit the new grace. So the, the, the man of God had to explain it somehow. Because Paul was saying the things I want to do, I'm not doing them. The things, ah, no, that one doesn't fit the narrative of, uh, so just, as a man of God, what happened? He said that time, Paul was not mature in, in chapter 7. By chapter 8. Okay, let's be keeping quiet. But you know we are the ones that divided this thing into a chapter. When Paul was writing, it wasn't chapter by chapter. It was one book. So he matured overnight to write, or he matured in the next minute or something, right? So hypergrace is not new. But Jude was, was saying, look, you have, to, you have to content to ensure that, first of all, in your own heart, truth is preserved. Two, then he talked about some, you will have mercy on them, you will preach to them. Some, you will save out of fire with fear. So, the, 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 the idea of contending for the faith is in twofold. First of all, you contend for your own heart to be established by grace and not be carried about by various doctrines. And two, you will contend for the faith in the church. There are some things you will hear, you will not keep quiet. You will sow the seed and leave because you have an obligation of relationship. If I don't have an obligation of relationship, I don't always talk, except I'm instructed. But if I have an obligation of relationship, I'll say it there. If you are my friend, and you say that 
the, the purpose of the church is so that we can become millionaires, I will tell you that that's a life from the pit of hell. It's a perversion of the gospel. Because Dangote is not born again. So if the reason why we are born again is to create millionaires and to, and to do parable of money, then Jesus must be a failure. Jesus must be a failure. Some, some of these conversations, you have to ground yourself in the truth of the word of God and have them with your family members. Have them with that your brother that was on fire in university and now is talking nonsense. Sow the seed and water it with prayers. You contend for the faith. You don't shy away from the gates because your own gates, they are knocking it to pull it down. They are knocking your own gates to pull it down. Sometimes you don't know how some things are seeping into you. I asked a brother, I said, have you seen this skit? He said, I don't watch that, that person's skit. I said, why? He said, look, I know myself. I'm not, I don't pretend like I'm strong when it comes to like um, lost and things like that. I said, I don't watch that. I said, I'm, I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> Such great wisdom. Some people, and he's a, he's a strong brother that I'm talking to. I'm not talking to a, like, like a, he's a very strong brother. I'm like, this is wisdom. Some people, they don't, they don't know themselves. They can't discern themselves. Anywhere, anything, day to day, open their mouth. And then when the thing is attacking you, you pretend as if it's not there. You use tongue to cover it. You have been get gods. They've got in you. They've got in you. You have to, you, you man your gates. You close it to strange doctrines. Strange spirits. Strange spirits. Strange spirits. There's an attack of spirit of perversion on the body. It's an attack oh, from pulpit to members to leaders. It's been normalized. Who is going to contend for that gate? Who is going to beat it down? Who is going to fight for the faith there? And people will get up both of them, they are sleeping together. They are not married. And they will come and they will lead worship. And you will raise up holy hand. And they will cry. They will cry. And say, let's speak in tongues. But one of my cousins, when he was in university, he said he went for a meeting. Hungry, poor hungry boy for the Lord. You know when you are hungry, you don't be going from meeting to meeting. This boy went for this meeting. He said, man of God, come. Man of God came, did power move, Holy Ghost, everything. Then third day, he said, if you want double portion of my honor, you want power. Who doesn't want power? I'm hungry for God. You want double portion of my honor, you want power. That's how this boy went out. He said, from that day, as man of God laid hands on him like this. He said, it didn't used to be a problem. He just had lost, as in lust came upon him with double portion of me. First, he didn't know where the arrow came from. He didn't, he didn't know. And this is not a formula. I'm not saying you should not go out by faith and be laid hands on. No. It's not a formula. I'm not saying that you should become suspicious of all the men of God and don't let anybody. Right. So he, didn't, this, he said he didn't know where it came from. He, I, I didn't used to have this problem. How come I must not? Thoughts, thoughts, all kinds of things. He was struggling. He didn't know who to talk to. And then he said, one day, he shall pray, he fasted, and then the Holy Spirit helped him to trace it. When did this thing start? He traced it back to that meeting when they laid hands on him. And it took a lot of praying and meditation in the word to break that yoke that had been transferred by the laying on of hands. So, the issue of contention is a very serious what that thing that you have been given you will contend for it the purity of it to preserve it until the end not only that you will fight satan not only for your souls for but for other souls and like i was teaching on on, on wednesday you will fight it not just by praying for people you will pray for people but you will fight it by obedience by sacrifice by going all the way for god when it's not convenient that's how you do it. Let's quickly open to 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want to show you a few things in that scripture. Verse 
I'm not, it's just an exhortation today. We are not going to take a lot of time at all. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, a son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So the things that we are fighting in the church today, they are not new. They are not new. They are not new. It's been there since the time of the apostles. Paul will live small like this. He will live Galatians small. Like, by the time he comes back, he's like, ah, ah, foolish Galatians. When did I live? Why are you like this? Who deceived you? Who brought in this thing to you? Who brought it in? Who brought it in? How did this happen? How did you start? How are you ending it? Right? He said, I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they don't teach any other thing else. He said, now give it to fables, endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than what? Godly edification, which is in faith. If you have this thing in Amplified, please give it to me. Pay attention to what? Legends. Fabu. Fables. We call it Fabu in Yoruba. Fables, myths, endless genealogies. They give rise to what? Useless speculation. Look up. Read it. It's, I'm not the one that wrote it. It's Bible. They give rise to what? Useless speculation. Meaningless argument. You know what? One thing I found out is that some people are more interested in arguing than in edification. A lot of what we do in the name of Rev is called strife of words. It's meaningless, it's meaningless speculation. Meaningless argument rather than what? Advancing God's program of instruction which is grounded in faith and requires surrendering the entire self to God in absolute trust and confidence. But the goal of our instruction is what? Love. If you tell some people this one, it's too simple. You say the goal of our instruction is of love is God is love. That's the end. Say no. You have to you have to you have to you have to say it in a way. You know, there was a time I took over as president of a fellowship when we were young. And then I after preaching the first message, somebody wrote in my executive wrote a letter to me and said that, you know, the the person that I handed over to you was very deep and thick. And the people need deep thick things like you have to say it to be mysterious I'm, I'm, I'm telling you some of example like you have to you can't be simple like that you can't be plain like that you can't teach simply like that people will not respect the office they will respect you they won't respect the anointing that's so why I have to I tried today today's message I tried but next time I have to make it to be more complicated so that people can respect my grace okay so I wrote back to him and said, I don't owe you complicated. I owe you direction under God. If I, if I'm not, if, if I am misleading you under God, I would have had a problem. If that's what you said, it's a different thing. I don't owe you complicated. If I'm not impressing you, that is alright. I was not sent to impress you. There are plenty of people that are saying it. Tick, tick. You are free to go. I said, what I owe you is direction under God. That's all I owe you. I don't owe you more than that. I don't owe you complicated. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. Good conscience and a sincere faith. Verse 6. Verse 6. Some individuals have wandered from these things into empty arguments and useless distractions. Be careful what you are watching on Facebook. Be careful who you are listening to on YouTube. Pandemic caused problem. All kinds of things came out. And people started scavenging. People that their hearts had not been established with grace scavenging and what happens when you scavenge what kind of diet is that when you pick from dustbin 
Hebrews, where we read, it said, consider the man who gave you instruction. Hello, sir. Who is the person giving you instruction? Where did you grow? So you have a church that is not schooled in truth. Carried about by every wind of doctrine. Useless arguments, speculations. Things that don't lead to love. Pure heart. Good conscience. Missing. But we want to teach. We too want to talk. And everybody can talk now. All you need is a telephone, is a phone. Us mount it on a stand. Say hallelujah. Ministry has started. Lubaton. Finish. You don't need more than that. Just little light and camera. You have started ministry. First Timothy 6. First Timothy 6 from verse 3. 3. He says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and doesn't agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine and teaching which is in agreement with godliness and personal integrity, upright behavior, verse 4. This is talking about character, character formation. It's not talking about the truth of the knowledge of good and evil. I hope you know that all this upright behavior, good behavior, is talking about in Jesus. It's not talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The one that you decide that this is what is good for me. No. Outside of the instructions of the Holy Ghost. Outside of being led by the Spirit. You can't be good. No one is good except God. All you will end up with is the evil of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's where it will end. You see, when devil starts, you don't know where he's going. He first of all comes with you as if, ah, we are on the same page. You are not on the same page. Is conceited, woefully ignorant, understanding what? Nothing. He has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, which produces envy, quarrels, verbal abuse, evil suspicions, perpetual friction between men who are corrupted in mind and deprived of truth, who think that godliness is a source of profit, a lucrative money-making business. Do what? Withdraw from them. Withdraw from who? When I first came to Lagos, in the early years, I made some friends. I met them in a particular meeting I went for. And then we became friends. So, you know, I was new in town. I didn't know a lot of people. I would go to their... I later found out that a lot of them stayed in the, around the same area and all that. So when I just went go to that area, they would all just come out and... You see, but the only thing is that every time that I'm with them is argument about, about rev. As in rev arguments. They can do it for four hours. I don't understand how they are happy. I don't understand how they are... What, what kind of stress is this? Ha. <laughs> One day, when I got there, after I went after a church service, they said, how was service today? I said, ah, it was great. I was blessed. Why are you blessed? What is the meaning of blessed? When you say you are blessed, what, some people say they are blessed. Blessing is sick. Hello, is it a blessing? I said, I'm blessed. No, because then one of them said, which church are you even attending? Is it Thai or Lades just church? I said, yes. He said, ah, but boy, I try. In other words, that guy is trying. I, <laughs> I say he's trying. He say yes. I say okay. You, what are you doing? What's the name of your church? Where did you go today? Who is? Uh, he said ah no, that he has stopped. Um, or, you know now they are in a dimension. I said what dimension? Are you doing? It was that day I started suspecting them. You see the day that I I severed that friendship. I said okay, it's okay. I'm not doing it again. You know what happened that day? They invited me to a meeting. They were the ones who. I followed them. As we went to the meeting and sat down, we all sat down in the same place. The man of God will say his own. They will start behind me on bench too. They will just say, eh, "What, what, what is said in that place is true." But you know, let, if you he didn't complete that revelation, don't chapter when you add it. To... <laughs> hey, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. These boys are, are they are they are not okay. That was the, the next day like this. I still came for the meeting, you know, as, they, I, as I just saw them on one side, I just moved to the other side. I was like, what is, you know, when somebody has a morbid love for arguing, just, is it your blessing? I'm blessed. You say, what do you mean blessed? 
You see, one day, the day they took hallelujah, they said, why do you shout hallelujah? It's hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. It's a heavenly language. They said, no, no. Why do you shout hallelujah? Hallelujah, why you shout it? You know, a lot of losses we do in church. You are shouting hallelujah. You are shouting amen. What is the matter now? What should I say? Which one now should I say now? They said, no, there are some religious things. When we do it, when we... You know what I found out? Those boys were not praying. When you talk too much like that, you are not praying. They were dry, dry. They were not praying. You, you, you can't be wet and you go to talk, 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 talk. When you, when you shout hallelujah, what do you shout hallelujah for? Why do you get, when there's fighting your body like that, criticizing, judgmental, you are, just, you are not praying. You are dry. Dry. And they were not growing. They were also not growing. They were also not, you know, later I heard that things like fornication and it will creep in if it didn't start because you will open the door to, to, to nonsense spirits. You open the door to nonsense spirits. I just, sometimes you just stay away. Just stay away. I usually say to myself, if God wants me to come across certain knowledge or certain man of God or something, I trust him to direct me. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. There is no man of, you know, the, you, you see at a certain season, there's a name of a man of God that will just flood everywhere. They'll be bringing that man. It doesn't mean, it, do, it does, I'm not saying that because of that, that person is bad. There are times when it is the season of announcement of a voice to the body and the, bo- and the voice is an authentic assignment. I'm just giving an example. I'm not saying that anybody that is popular is a bad person. That's not what I said. But don't just follow trend. You understand? Just open your spirit to anything. Anything that is trending, just open your spirit to you too. You start listening. You start mm-mm. learn to see. Learn to sometimes you will listen to somebody, your spirit will agree. You will know that ah, okay, there's pasture here. You will know that maybe for this season. And sometimes that season will even go away. And you know that it's okay, it's over. For, with that that particular stream or that particular pasture, you know that it's over. But you should have one that is never over. I don't know whether you understand. When he said follow some men and watch their, what? Their, the, the, their, the end of their conversation of faith, the outcome of it. He didn't say, like I said, he didn't say watch any other thing. The outcome of their faith. They are, they are, the way they are following God. Their trust in God. Their fruits because Bible says, by their fruits, you will know them. What kind of fruits are they producing? When you see those kind of things, what do you do? You follow those men. You follow those men. Paul said, I'm begging you with tears in my eyes. There are some men that you shouldn't follow. Whose, whose God is in their belly? Whose glory is in their shame? Let's go back to that dude and start reading from 18. So let me just quickly read the verse. Where is the verse that he talked about? Uh, the way of Cain, the error of Balaam, and the. Just give me that verse. Aha. He said, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and have perished in the rebellion of Korah. I just want these three things, they are a pointer to me of the kind of leadership that we can avoid, you know. Kind of. We can avoid it personally. In our own lives, we can avoid it when we see it on the outside, right? The way of Cain, I believe that the way of Cain is that religious spirit that will do the minimum, but the the passion is not there. If you say do it, it will do it. But the the core of this, the core is not um, is not a burning passion, a love for the Lord. And there are so many of that around. You know, I, I think I've said it before here that my husband asked somebody that, that in his office, where he was working before that, ah, that church, why do you, why are you there? And the lady said, oh, wow, it's a fantastic ambience. It's a, the, you know, like, she said a lot of things are nice in the surroundings. My husband said he was waiting for her to say, and I'm growing, and um." Where the emphasis is not intimacy with the Lord. Where there is no passion. You know, there, there, can, even be, there can even be the, how do I say it? You can sprinkle it. And 
you know how you sprinkle something, say, and ultimately, at the end of everything, let's know that God is the ultimate. That is not what we are saying. Finally, finally, let's just know that anything we are doing in this world, we are still going to go to heaven. We know. It's not that. But look at the emphasis. You know, truth eh, is a set of emphasis. I hope you know. Check the emphasis of that. Is the emphasis the need of man or the need of God? Because the emphasis of Cain was his own need. God, why didn't you accept my sacrifice? And God was telling him, look, Cain, there's sin lying at your door. I want you to master it. Cain was busy, just angry about God not doing things his own way. And that, that's the anger that produced all the evil that he went, including going away from... You think the greatest evil was killing Abel? No. The greatest evil was going away from the face of the Lord to start another civilization. The guy advanced the civilization of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The guy pitched his tent farther from Eden than his parents had. He advanced the cause of sin and death. That's the greatest evil of Cain. Don't think he's killing Abel. That's the greatest evil of Cain. When you see a, a, a when, when, when your soul is exalting your problems above God, the end of that conversation is that it will take you away from the face of God. That's the end. When the harassment, the pressure of Satan is to take you away from the face of God. It's not, it's not that maybe the job is that serious. That's it. When, when, when you see that in your heart, something is contending for your faith. Oh. When you see that something else is, is that thing that is becoming an idol. Or when you see a place or a people where the need of man is the idol. The end of that conversation is not good. Run away. And like I said, it's a, it's a set of emphasis. What is the emphasis? What is the heart? What is the content? At least 98%. Okay? I normally say that you don't cook a plate of salt and put a grain of rice. Abby? Shall you cook a plate of rice and put a grain of salt? So that doesn't mean we will never talk about career. It doesn't mean we will never talk about making business or making money. It doesn't mean we will never talk about how to, how to, how to do families. How to, it doesn't mean we will never talk about those things. That's not what it means. It just means that when we talk about it, we'll talk about it from the kingdom perspective. From the perspective of the need of God. That's where we'll address it from. It doesn't mean that we don't recognize that you should have food and you should put on clothes and you should go to school and you should have a job and you should be able to feed your family. There are important conversations, but what is the emphasis? Is it seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that all other things shall be added? Error of Balaam. That one is very simple. Second Peter chapter 2 talked about this guy that loved the reward of wickedness. When you use, when you see Spiritual authority being used for gain. That is very problematic. And that gain is not always financial. You see, there's something I said in workers' meeting one of the days. I said, this is not, I was saying it to the workers. I said, this is not a place where you gather to build a man's vision. I said, in this church, this is where we are going. This is what we want to do. So, how many of you are with us? Then, so that when we get to our kingdom, you will sit on the right and on the left. You know, that's how men evaluate and say, by the time the ministry becomes big, I will be the assistant pastor. Then I will be the, the you, have, you have visualized the, all the gain in the natural. I said, no, this is not that kind of place. This is, not that, this is the place where you choose whether you want to serve Jesus without anything. Without anything. You want to obey God. This is the place where it is either the vision of the kingdom that is driving you or nothing. What is bringing us together as workers? That's what I was saying. What is bringing us together as workers and we are working? Is not, we are not working for Pastor Daniel. We are not working to make his ministry to be okay so that they will know that his ministry is growing. No! You are working for the kingdom of, of the, you are working because in your heart you can see that, ah, 
Jesus, this is the work of Jesus. We need to walk the work of him that sent us while it is day. The same vision is driving all of us. There's no, there's, we, are, we are not building a man's empire. We are not building Pastor Tyre's vision. We are not, the, this church existed for 16 years or 15 years on the island before we came to Yaba. So it's not like, go and start branch so that we can be big. No. It's not that. It's not, I, I, how many times have you seen him come here? You know, if, you, if, if it's people that they want the thing to be big, they'll be coming. <sighs> Talk, you, you see power. And he has one of the sharpest prophetic gifts I've ever seen. Pastor Tayo. Ah, he's seeing you. I'm not praising him. He's seeing. But you'll meet him two straight years. You may not encounter that gift. He even, he's the simplest person you will ever meet. You will never know that anything exists there because he won't marry you to that gift. He will marry you to the word of God. He will marry you to the heart of the gospel. He's, when you see him, is that you like Jesus or you don't like Jesus? If you don't like Jesus, you'll be offended and go away. He will never use gift to establish you. But here we are seeing something. No. No. Balaam is that spirit that converts gifts, converts resources, converts anointing to gain. Whether that gain is influence. So that they will see me that I'm the person that is the person that is. I don't want them to be going to. You know, you know, things happen. You don't want people to be going to brotherliness. You want them to be coming to only you. When you see that oppression in yourself or outside, you run. It's against faith. Another thought is the rebellion of Korah. The rebellion of Korah. That one, he knows more than God challenges the authority of God. Has an opinion when God has given an instruction. That one is, a very, is also another evil spirit you should be very careful of. Some of us have it on the inside of us. We argue, we, you know, my spirit will not always wrestle with man. He's Kora. He's Kora. Some of us have, we have it inside. We are very strong on the inside. We are not soft. God gives an instruction, you have your own way that you want to do it. And he also operates as a spirit in the church. People that know more than the Bible. People that have extra opinion on top of the instruction of the Lord. I always try not to, to talk, to establish people in my ideas. If, in fact, if something is going on controversially, if you ask me to talk to you about it, I want to, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every truth shall be established. I want to show you from the consistency of scripture. Not the one that I pick something and I, and I twist it around. No. Let's, let's, let's see it from the consistency of scripture, not from my own ideas. If it is, this, if it is that way or not. Then that verse 18 that, you know, I asked us to go to. Let, let's read that verse. 18. 18. 19. These are sensual persons. They cause divisions. They do not have the spirit. But you, beloved, do what? Build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. This is the way that you contend for the faith. This is why the Holy Ghost was given. This is the reason why you speak in tongues. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. It says that he will grant you to be do what, do, to, that what you will be do, you will be strengthened by the spirit where? In your inner man. That inner man is the heart. That inner man is the heart. You protect your heart. You build up yourself on your most holy faith. You pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's go back to that Jude and just finish that verse. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves where? In the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. These are two things that you can do for yourself to, you know, to protect your heart. To make sure that you are being established in grace. Praying in the Holy Spirit and keeping yourself where? In the love of God.
there's something that keeping yourself in the love of God work does for you. It will protect your heart in purity. It will preserve your heart in purity and good conscience. And you'll be able to discern. Your discernment will go up. Remember where it talks in first, um, Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 about your, your love abounding yet more and more in all knowledge and in and what? Judgment. So that you may be able to do what? Approve the things that are excellent, sincere and offense till the day of Christ. Those two things. Go and pick up your love work. Let it be hot. Love, you know, that more excellent way. There's a way that you follow, you are, you know in part, you prophesy in part. It's not, your knowledge is not complete. By the time you enter love, you can't be in error. When you are standing on that pedestal, it is easy for you to be more discerning about what is truth, what is error. What is good, what is evil. Your judgment will be sharper. Those are the two instruments that Jude gave us. One, pray in the spirit a lot. Two, just go and be walking in love. Receive the love of God, walk in love. And then on that foundation, study your Bible, pray, and see how your sharp, your discernment, your being sharp, your understanding will. Don't be there trying to be suspecting people. Is he saying the truth? Is he not saying the truth? Is this one error? You are all suspicious. That one will not, give, it will not make you peaceful in your heart. Let there be peace in your heart. Is the one that is preserving you from falling. Don't be afraid that if your neighbor in the office mistakenly listens to something on Facebook, you are falling. No, no, don't worry. It's not that deep. You just pray in the Holy Ghost and walk in love. And watch your, your discernment, your, your capacity to understand the word of God. Your capacity to know what is truth. Watch it grow astronomically. Watch your understanding increase. increase. Watch your discernment increase. This morning, this is my simple encouragement to you. Contend for the faithful. People paid for this faith with their blood. They paid for this body of truth with their lives. The cloud of witnesses, they are looking at us. They are wondering what we will do with the faith in our days. How we will walk the walk. How we will serve God. What fruits we will meet our master and maker with. How we will run our own race. They are watching. And, you know, the exhortation of God to us this morning is that earnestly contend. Contend in your own heart. Contend in your family. Contend in your staff room. Contend in your school. Contend for your students. Contend for your friends. Contend for your children. Earnestly contend for the faith. And ensure that as you do that, your own heart is established what? In, in grace. Not carried about by various, various doctrines. It is good that the heart be established what? By grace and not by meat or not by food. Let's just rise up on our feet this morning and just pray in the spirit. I just want us to pray in the spirit this morning. Let's just pray in the spirit. I want to hear you pray in the spirit this morning. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Let's just spend some time this morning just praying in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Pray that Christ will dwell in your hearts by faith. Pray that you'll be rooted and grounded in love. Pray that you'll be able to comprehend with all the sense what is the length, what is the depth, what is the height, and that you will know the love of God that passes knowledge. I want, us, I want you to pray this morning. I want you to depend on the Holy Ghost this morning. Like we read in scripture, is the one that preserves. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the one that preserves. It's the one that multiplies that grace. It is not by power. It is not by might. It is not by trying to stand. It is not by being suspicious. It is not by arguing. It's the Holy Spirit that leads. It is God that sanctifies. It is God that calls. It is God that preserves. It's the one that is able to keep you from falling and to present you holy, blameless before him on that day in love. 
I want you to pray for grace to earnestly contend because you are here for a purpose. You are here for a purpose. In your days, you are here to occupy until he comes. In your days, you are here for the kingdom. In your days, you are here to expand the territory of the glory of the Lord. In your days, I want you to pray that the Lord will establish you in his will, in his purpose for your life, in contending for the faith in your sphere of influence, in the name of Jesus. I want you to make new commitments today. I want you to make new commitments concerning the faith, concerning the truth, concerning, concerning your walk with God. I want you to make fresh commitments to God, fresh commitments to God, to live for him, to live for him above idols, above all things, above pressures, to live for him in the name of Jesus.